the Continentals can take the lead. Kenny Gilmore with a crossover. Lays it up and in. The Hamilton, the first lead of the game. And this place is deafening. There's a rebound in Oak And the Hamilton Continentals win. Welcome to the 50 Years of Hamilton College Basketball Podcast, Episode 10. Carlos Feynman and Kyle Pittman, Class of 2017. Carlos and Kyle talk about several of their outstanding teammates, some truly memorable moments in games, and how they were involved in the recruiting process for the classes behind them. Here we go. All right, Carlos and Kyle, thanks for jumping on today. I've been uh, looking forward to this one because I think this is the podcast and the episode where we have the most West Coast flavor of them all. So I'm really excited to get two guys from the Western part of the country out here. Um, you know, with that being said, I guess, you know, the first question I have is kind of what brought you to Hamilton? You know, Kyle coming from Phoenix, Carlos from the Bay Area in California, all the way across the country. You know, if you could just share kind of your story and how you found out about Hamilton and what helped you end up choosing this little college on a hill. Yeah, I can kick us off, Kyle. So, um, hi everyone, Carlos Feynman and I'm class of 2020, what are we, 2017, there we go. (laughs) See, there, there's an edit right there, Carlos, yeah. right? Easy edit. Yeah. Class of 2017. I would probably say my sophomore and junior year, my assistant coach, it's a very small world we live in because my assistant coach in high school um, just so happened to be, I guess, I, actually, I don't even know if I know the full story. So you'll have to fill us in here, Stockwell. Um, I guess it was old family friend or old um, friend from some time. Um, he knew I was looking to play in sort of college, the division three level. Um, and he was like, Hey, Carlos, I think you're good enough to sort of, uh, be competitive at a lot of schools. I think you should sort of look into, I don't know what schools you're looking into, but maybe take a leap of faith and go look at this school called Hamilton college. It's in upstate New York. And, um, I had never heard of it being from the, all the way in California, but, I was looking at schools all across the country and I said, Oh, what's one more uh, trip to (laughs) obscure random city in uh, whatever state. So um, I started doing my research into Hamilton and uh, reached out to coach Stockwell and kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about Hamilton. And then um, like a lot of kids, I'm sure uh, Stockwell invited them to the Hamilton invitational where a lot of uh, prospects will come and sort of not only play and kind of show off to the coaches, but also learn more, meet some of the players. And um, it's always a joy every year when you're a current player and you get to be the coaches and refs uh, for that weekend when all the prospects are coming. But I eventually uh, came and I remember it was one of the few uh, warm Novembers uh, in upstate New York. And I think that was probably a lucky thing because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Uh, (laughs) But ultimately fell in love with the campus when I met the team. I still have many fond memories from my kind of overnight stay of that weekend. I remember staying with Jack Donnelly and Matt Hart, um, who were two great uh, sort of teammates of mine, um, and really just fell in love with the campus. It really is one of those things that you hear about, oh, you step on campus and you're going to know you should be there. And I really did feel like I felt that when I stepped on campus on that warm, unusually warm November day and um, kept in touch with Stockwell and the team and uh, sort of submitted my application and went through the process. And as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, it's funny, Carlos. We haven't had a lot of seniors who have come to our November Elite Clinic that ended up playing for us. You know, a lot of times that's focused on juniors and sophomores. We've had a couple of you and Matt Morrows, Mm -hmm. um, but we haven't had a ton. And I don't know if you remember, but that weekend, it's it's one day. It's a one day uh, elite clinic that we have in November. And when he came up, you probably don't remember this, but you were paired with Jack Dwyer. He was on your team. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Jack was one of our all-time assist guys, and he was just setting you up left and right all day long. So he certainly (laughs) helped out that day. And then the, the person you're referring to is a long family friend of mine back from the high school days when we were young. I, I knew his parents well. And, and James Ashman is probably mm-hmm. five or six years younger than I am. We used to play in high school and growing up. We're both from a small area. And like you said, it's a small world in the basketball community. And you just never know who's going to know who and how things are going to end up. But it's certainly worked out well for you here and for us as well. So, 
Now, Kyle, I think you had a little different process where you weren't at our elite camp, but we yeah. did have a mutual connection. I, one of the uh, the gentlemen I know around the country who does a lot of camps and, and worked in the NBA for a while, Lane Odom, yeah. originally put me in touch with you and your family and, and had great things to say. And so if you can just talk about your experience, that'd be great. Yeah, so when I was kind of going through it, I think similar boat to Carlos where I knew I wanted to keep playing basketball in college and trying to figure out what level I could compete at and kind of shook out to D3 and those really looking at those, you know, academically rigorous schools. So uh, through Lane Odom and I'm blanking on his last name, but a man named Harvey as well. I ended up at a camp in San Diego at uh, UCSD's campus. I want to say it was the summit or something like that camp. Um, Ended up getting on a team with Wes Wilbur, who was also class of 2017 with um, Carlos and myself and uh, had a pretty good camp and then kind of started getting the attention and recruiting from various schools, none of which, which were really remotely close to Phoenix, Arizona. Um, you know, there was one or two in California and then a lot of them were in places I'd never heard of, like, you know, Clinton, New York. Um, but as I kind of went on, I really was trying to make my decision and I kind of got in my head that, you know, it was Hamilton. It wasn't my first choice right away. I was getting recruited by MIT and that was, you know, it was MIT. It was a great name. It was a school I'd heard of before it all had happened. Um, and then as things kind of shook, shook out, uh, didn't get in. So I was really a, a late decision on the Hamilton side. So after the MIT decision passed, uh, Stock kind of reached back out to me. Van Gorder, I think, reached back out to me. And it was really between Hamilton and Vassar. And I remember going on one last kind of recruiting trip at the end of April. So I think it was like April 20th, I think is the date that sticks in my head. Visiting Hamilton's campus, beautiful campus. First time in my life that I remember seeing snow fall. Right, <laughs> end of April. Should have been a warning sign right there. But uh, campus is beautiful. Um, going to the, the gym, playing pickup with the guys. I didn't do an overnight trip. I just did the one day. Uh, but playing against Matt Hart who was a great player. Um, Thomas Figueroa, who I never actually got to play with, but he was spectacular that, that day. I just remember thinking, this team's going to be good. I really liked all these guys. I really liked the campus. I really liked the coaches. Um, and then I think I had to make a decision in 10 days, but it just felt right to be there. So uh, if I could do it again, I would do it in a heartbeat. I probably would have picked Hamilton above MIT, knowing uh, how everything shook out and the people I would meet there. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was different. I didn't get a warm November day. I got a cold April day. So just so people know, Kyle, you're a very analytical numbers based person. And that's probably where the MIT interest came from initially. Yeah. yeah that's fair to say. Yep. And then that was, uh, that was Harvey Rubin with the academic basketball club. Um, and that was the hoop mountain, all academic camp, I there believe, which was probably there. And I think if I remember right, I think coach Van Gorder might've been your coach. I think he was uh, at the camp or coaching there. The Grinnell coach was my coach there. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. So shot a lot of threes. Which yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, it's right up your alley. I do remember Coach Van Gorder coming back from that camp being incredibly excited about this guard from the Phoenix area that he saw there for the first time. And then obviously you just never know how long the process is going to take, yeah. whereas Carlos was a little quicker and yours was a little bit longer. And everybody's in between. It's just every person's coming from a different perspective and background and everyone takes their different time with their process to figure things out. So now both of you got a little distance coming here. You don't really know what it's going to be like until you get here. What were those first couple of weeks, first couple of months in the preseason like for you, Kyle, once you got to campus? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely far from home, but that was one thing as I kind of was settling in was I wanted to be away from home. Not I love Phoenix. I'm back in Phoenix now. It was just I knew I wanted to experience something different. So it was kind of nice to be like separated. And I, I think the great thing about the Hamilton basketball team was that there was that immediate friend group and kind of support system uh, right away. So there's no issue finding people that were, you know, had similar interests and I got along with, um, I was roommates with Wes Wilbur previously mentioned that I uh, was on the camp team, spent four years with him. Um, so that was great. Just had people to hang out with and really socialize right away. So there's no, I don't know if I ever really had a moment I was home, where I was like homesick, uh, just cause there was that immediate group. And then 
as we kind of got towards the basketball side of things, like it was just a, you know, a bit of an adjustment. It was a uh, faster alumni gym, uh, definitely a older gym than I was used to in my kind of newer part of the Phoenix area playing in. Uh, but it was, it was good. It was just, it was good to be kind of around that basketball group. Uh, a lot of good people that made you feel at home and then, you know, try and figure out what a college schedule is like managing the academic side as well. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that where it was kind of managing your own time. You could fit in your uh, workouts where you needed to. And yeah, it was, it was great. If I remember correctly, I think over family weekend, homecoming weekend, which is usually middle of October, or so late October, when a lot of families come up for the first time to see their students, their freshmen, mm-hmm. after move-in day, I think that was a big day for you, just grabbing some outdoor gear, if I remember correctly, right? Heading to New yeah. Hartford, grabbing a jacket or a hat, a couple layers, getting ready for the November and December cooler temperatures. I'd kind of forgotten about that, but yeah, no, I uh, I didn't own any winter clothes. And- <laughs> Kind of, I remember being asked if I wanted to go like winter clothes shopping before I moved out to, you know, upstate New York. And I was like, I kind of want to see what people wear because I don't know. <laughs> like, I had no idea if I was going to be really anything about winter clothes. So, yeah, that first time my uh, my dad came out, I remember going to the, um, I mean, the Dick Sporting Goods out at Sangertown Square. Is that the name of the mall? Yep, you got and, it. So the, uh, the hunting store which just had <laughs> winter stuff and kind of checking stuff out and uh figuring out how warm i needed to be so that was a that was an experience how about for you carlos i know um you were probably the biggest guy in your high school league or at least mm-hmm. the tallest and a little faster pace here when you're starting to play pickup what was your experience there those first couple months before practice started yeah um well i think kyle did a pretty great job of i feel like he nailed it there where it's you're for most guys, it's the first time away from home for any significant amount of time. And you're kind of, you're going to this new place. It's kind of eyes wide open. There's a 3000 other kids who you don't know. And I think year after year, I think Hamilton, especially the basketball team, just talking from my own sort of uh, perspective, I think they do a really good job of oh, you're the freshman kind of, we're all getting together and it, you never really feel like you're isolated or anything. Um, even when you're in upstate New York and you're really far away from everything, but it's just, there is a really great sense of community on campus and especially within the basketball team um, that you really, you do feel like it's a family. And like like you were saying more towards the basketball though, um, I think a lot of people, there's a jump between high school and um the college level and I think everyone kind of comes in and they're the best guy on their high school team they're one of the best guys in the league and you kind of you come on campus and your shoulders are a little bit back and then you like Kyle was saying you go to your first open gym and um, up an alumni and the, the senior he's four years older and four years bigger on lifting kind of puts you in your place a little bit and um I think it was good. I think everyone kind of needs that a little bit to kind of bring them down to earth, especially as a freshman where you're kind of adjusting through a lot of things, but you always know that everyone on the team has your best interest and the best interest of the team. So it really is a family and it really felt like it was a smooth transition from, even though there are bumps in the road where you're adjusting to classes and adjusting to lifting more and practicing more, but the team really does everything together it's they're going to be the 13 14 best friends that you're going to have throughout your four years of college even though you're going to have friends outside of it but just sort of naturally you're practicing three hours a day together you're lifting another hour together you probably have one or two classes together so you're just surrounded by these 14 guys at all times that everyone is sort of making sure that you're lifting and you're practicing and getting shots up that even though you're transitioning through a lot, you kind of forget that you're transitioning through a lot because, oh, isn't everyone doing this? Isn't everyone sort of doing what they should be doing? And I think that was kind of one of the things that, even though it was my first time moving 3,000 miles away from all of my family, um, it really felt like I made the right choice. Thinking back a year when I was sort of deciding in November that, hey, I really want to go to Hamilton, when it was sort of like, now I'm here and sort of, this is the place I should be. 
Yeah, and just so people don't get upset, Carlos, we never practice three hours a day. Just, oh. just to be clear on that. It probably felt like it a lot of days, depending on what drills we were doing, but it, it wasn't actually three hours. So I, I just wanted to be clear on that. Three hours long. What's that? Where dynamic fitness was three hours long. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, you were not a fan of the morning running in that class. No, I, uh, I, I still stand by that it, it was the mornings less than me being out of shape. I, I, I absolutely agree. We've had random guys over the years um, when we've done maybe some morning workouts or dynamic fitness or different stuff in the morning for practice. They're great in the afternoon, but the mornings, they're just a completely different person. And there's no question whether it was the time zone or whatnot. That was, you were just falling <laughs> in that category as well. <laughs> it was 4 a.m. where I was. I know. Kyle never adjusted to East Coast out. <laughs> well, that's, that's the problem when you're watching uh bad sons basketball to one. <laughs> well, Carlos, as a taller guy, um, at that time, we had an assistant coach who worked a lot with the big guys named coach Evans. So I know many of our alums have had tremendous experience with coach Evans and they all know that he has their back and will work hard for him and provide a lot of great knowledge about playing and life but also have a lot of funny moments going through those times with him as well. So, you know, you want, I know you are certainly one of coach Evans favorite guys. He's said that numerous times because like most people know that know you, you're just friendly, outgoing, always quick to smile, always quick to make people feel comfortable. And, and coach really appreciated that. But you know, since you got a chance here, you know, what, what was it like working with in practice with coach Evans and having fun with him? And I will say you were one of the quickest guys that, you know, Coach Evans can be can be tough on guys in those workouts, but you were one of the quickest guys to just let it roll off your back and give it right back to him at times. So real credit for that. But what was it like working with Coach Evans? Obviously, everybody loves him. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no. Coach Evans, he's a character. I hope everyone gets to gets a chance to meet him. He is he he does have a tough exterior. However, I think like you're saying, I think you just gotta kind of build that rapport with him, and he's gonna give it to you, and you just gotta give it to him just as hard right back. And I think that's what really, um, I grew up in a big family and we are all joking and we're always giving each other a hard time. And I think that might've translated a little bit to how coach Evans sort of articulates his message. But at the end of the day, just like I've been saying throughout this process that Hamilton is a family. He, he has a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge and he, he's always wanting the best for the team. And I think he doesn't always, I should say he he's trying to mesh sort of his knowledge with what we're doing. And I think um, what I always tried to take from everything he was sort of teaching me throughout sort of my four years at Hamilton was that I might not always understand what he's saying, but what he's saying is very important and very sort of, he has 30, 40, 50 years worth of basketball knowledge um, and whatever drill he's doing, there's, it might seem insane at the moment when you're going through it, but when you sort of reflect on the moment after you're dead tired, after these maybe two hour practices, um, you. <laughs> uh, you really get to know sort of like, oh, that's why he was having us do Superman drills where you throw the ball off the backboard and you have to somehow get across the key, jump three times and sort of grab the ball off the rim. Um, and he, he especially has a fond, um, he, he's always working with the big guys, like you said. So over the years, Brad and myself and AJ and um, Grohl, um, we, we always would, all the, all the guards and little guys would go on one end and they'd be doing their dribbling drills. And then the big guys on the other end would be doing crazy, crazy stuff off the backboard. And um, Carl and Xander and all of us would just be, beating each other up and even though it was exhausting at the time um coach evans is always there's always a story there and there's always he, he's always the one who's going to be making the first joke off the bench as well yeah yeah that, that was one of my favorite times and practices where coach evans would have the big guys and i think coach van gorder would have the guards and the wings and I would just stand in the middle and I would just look to kind of see the responses from the big guys more than anything else. And I used to get kicks out of that. So that was some of my favorite nine, 10, 11 minutes each day. <laughs> now, Kyle, we had another assistant during your time as well. Coach Van Gorder, who you mentioned you met out in um, San Diego. Um, 
little bit different personality than Coach Evans. Could you just talk about Coach Van Gorder a little bit and his impact on the guys on the team? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll start. Coach E was a character, definitely. Um, you know, it could if you didn't understand where he was coming from, it could feel like he was being a little bit harsh, but it was always well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you needed a little bit of a kind of a, a pick-me-up almost from mm-hmm. that. And uh, that was one thing that Van Gorder did really well was he was so good at just being a, a, a player's coach and just a, a friend on the bench and encouraging when you kind of got yourself down. And, you know, as you go through any basketball season, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have times where you're frustrated. And he was just kind of that constant in your ear, encouraging guy um, that I thought kind of helped foster a, a team relationship as well. Just like everyone felt comfortable. We knew that, you know, nothing was that serious. I mean, basketball series, but nothing was that serious that happened in a small moment. It was all well-intentioned. And he was really good at bringing that stuff back and that, that player stuff. And, um, you know, he really made those first couple of years we were here uh, very enjoyable, um, acclimating to the game and kind of pushing you to step into a role that you, you know, may or may not have felt like you were necessarily uh, cut out for at that point in time. I know for me, at the start of my sophomore season, it was to try and be a little bit more aggressive scoring and didn't always pan out. I'm a, I was more uh, maybe overly selective with my shots and uh, a little bit of scared of contact in the lane. So I stayed outside the three-point arc as much as possible. But I remember him kind of saying, yeah, you're, you're good, just go do it. And that that was, you know, words I needed at times. Yeah, and I think just to step in there, I think like Coach E, like Van Gorder, like all the coaches we've had, even yourself, Stockwell, um, the coach is always going to be hard and the coach is always going to want whatever you're giving, they're going to want a little bit more. And I think what's, at least I appreciated throughout the years at Hamilton was there was always a mix and a balance between sort of demanding and sort of wanting to push all the players to the next level, but there was always another guy right behind sort of encouraging you. And I think that's why it's beneficial to have two or three different, maybe even assistant coaches, because not everyone's going to connect with Van Gorder or Evans or um, whoever's the, the assistant coach at the time. And I think having a balance and sort of having different people go to different people or different coaches uh, is really helpful because like you said, you're not going to, cl- you're not going to click with every single coach. You're not going to click with every single player. So having that person in your ear who knows what to say to sort of pick you up at any moment is super important. Yeah. Well said. I think that's why the balance of a staff helps out so much. And then having leaders with that on the team, just as another means to help Mm -hmm. people feel as comfortable as possible, especially when they're underclassmen. So now as you guys were underclassmen, uh, both years, 14 wins, your freshman year, we got to five and five in the NESCAC, which up to that point was the best record we'd had in the league in quite a while. Any games or any moments that stood out for you um, over those two years as underclassmen that you can think of, that you think back of, you remember well, maybe stand up, uh, stand out in your mind a little bit more so than others? Kyle, you're going to know the moment and you're I'm playing the game and you're going to somehow know the score every single moment of this play because that's just your brain and that is not my brain. But uh, the game that jumps out to me, it, um, we were at home. It was a bunch of fans for some reason um, because typically the games are over winter break and Matt Hart hit that sort of buzzer beater um, I'm going to let you do the play because you're going to know the play by play. And I, I clearly do not, but for some reason, that's the game that jumps out at me. Um, yeah. I, I want to say it was Williams, but I don't know if that's right. Yeah. Um, I think you're thinking about Middlebury. Is that fair to say far corner opposite the bench? Yeah. Our, our freshman year, I feel like there were two or three, there was Matt and I remember Greg hitting a right. jumper too. Um, that were really fun moments where we actually had a crowd. Like, like Carlos said, a lot of our games are played in front of uh, relatively empty <laughs> winter break, kind of far away from large populated areas. Uh, but no, that I, I do remember a couple of uh, late game heroic shots where we had a bit of a court storming, which was uh, fun. Um yeah, I mean, those stand out. I, 
I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, so I'll, I'll jump in for a second, maybe yeah. jog your memory a little bit. So that Middlebury game, it was back and forth. I remember late in the game, Matt Hart, maybe under two minutes, hit a fadeaway three, back-to-back threes, with one being like a fadeaway shot clock three in the opposite corner. Mm-hmm. And then as the game comes down to the stretch, Greg Newton makes a free throw to put us up two. They hit a pair of free throws to tie it up. And then Greg Newton, who was automatic pretty much from 15 to 18 feet, right? <laughs> Coming off a ball screen, he hit that jumper with about five, six seconds left. And then I think they threw up some prayer of a three-pointer that didn't go in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that was a big one. Because then, you know, that put us in position to be five and five in the league and kept us in the hunt to possibly get a home game at that point. That was one that stood out for sure. You know, that freshman year, I don't know if you remember, we also had a game at home against Morrisville State, who was pretty good that year. We ended up being beating them by two. I think there's a following jumper maybe by Matt mm-hmm. Hart at that time. Um, we had a really tough game at Wesleyan where we had a three-pointer to win it late. We were up one with like 50 seconds to go, and then they scored a layup, and then we had a good look at a three. Um, that year, we went out to Buffalo. We played in the Madai tournament, uh, played a really good Brockport team that year. It was really athletic and fast. Uh, but overall, we had a lot of great games, you know, tough road game at Trinity, great win over Colby at home, um, had a stretch of four, five out of our last six in the regular season that we won, including beating Tufts by two, Bates by 25, and then Con College by 17. So it's a pretty good end of the year for a team that was fighting for the playoffs. And then unfortunately, we had a, a short, uh, a little bit short against Middlebury in the playoffs up there by a four point loss. But any other games that jump out as I'm just throwing stats and names of games at you? Yeah, I remember just a, a handful of moments. And as I'm kind of thinking about them, I don't know if they were all uh, in wins, which is unfortunate. But uh, I mean, obviously, you remember your first game, first points. That was an exciting moment. I, I think I had the fastest two points in the history of anyone's college career <laughs> myself. But I was unguarded on an inbounds pass. <laughs> the first second of my college career and had a layup. It was the weirdest thing. But then a couple games later, we were at, uh, I want to say it was SUNY Oneonta, uh, Brad Gifford drive from the left wing, punching one down on someone. <laughs> thinking, wow, college basketball is going to be so much fun. And I never saw that again from Brad. Uh, <laughs> that was a great moment. Uh, sophomore year, regular season at Middlebury. Um, Joe Lynn hitting an incredible shot to send the game into overtime, which we mm-hmm. ended up losing. Uh, not a huge fan of going up to Middlebury. Had a couple of uh, heartbreaks there, but that was a, a really, really fun game, really fun moment where I thought we played really well against a good Middlebury team that year. Uh, you know, and then, yeah, there other moments stand out. I you know we all, everyone has, has good games, bad games, but those are kind of those like big ones that really stick in my memory, whether they're good or bad. And then uh, there's a, a bad memory that I don't really want to talk about against uh, against Vassar. That uh, that ball was off the rim. It's all set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even going to mention that, Kyle. I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, uh, Joe Lynn. You know, one of the best guards we had here. All league uh, was tournament MVP, most outstanding player, whatever the tournament listed at that time. And I'll let you guys talk about him more, but I just, I know one weekend, his senior year, he really got it going when we were home against Amherst and Trinity and, you know, running at that time for a lot of the alums, we were running the Hamilton break where it was the big guys running wide and pinning down for the guards and guards coming off and shooting. And it put a lot of pressure on the, the point guard, which in that year was Joe Lynn, just hailing the ball, trying to find the right guy, whether it's hitting the post guy or guards coming off. And that weekend he averaged, 21 points, 11 assists against two pretty solid teams at home. Um, Carlos, what was it like playing with a guard like that? I mean, you were you're pretty fortunate to have a lot of guards that were really talented during your time. But you know, Joe Lynn was the first one. Kyle just mentioned him, so we'll bring that up after that that three pointer that sent it to overtime at Middlebury. What was it like having a guard like that to play with? Yeah, no, um, I mean, Joe, he's one of those guys. He, I'm sure may, many people who are listening right now know he. There's a lot of basketball in his family. His brother plays in the NBA. And I think just having that relationship, he is a incredibly intelligent basketball player and just sort of, he sees things that unless you're 
sort of around basketball that much. You just don't see those angles. You don't make those passes. And I think that's one of the things that while I was at Hamilton was playing with him was what was always amazed me. Cause you would, you would think you were in position or out of position and he would just sort of hit you with the ball and you, you would have to be ready for it. And I think, like you said, I was fortunate to be around a lot of guards who were like that, where they were incredibly intelligent and sort of, they worked hard and they, they always threw the right pass at the right time because they had done enough wrong passes um, and sort of throughout their career, they had sort of built up the knowledge of, okay, this is the angle I have to be to get sort of the big man, uh, the ball at the right time so he can make a move. Um, and he was just an incredibly unselfish player. And like you were mentioning that one, um, that one weekend when he had, I forget what it was, 21 points and 11 assists. I think that just is a huge testament that sort of, like you said, our sort of fast break was big man, you're running wide and you're sort of running straight to the key um, and maybe clogging it up at times. But he just sort of, he had an incredible ability to sort of just move around players and um, get to the rim when he needed to and also pass the ball when he needed to and be unselfish. Uh, so I think he, he taught me a lot about sort of being in the right position at the right time and sort of knowing to pick your spots. And I was very fortunate to play with him for a number of years. Yeah, he's one of the quickest guys I've seen with the basketball in his hands at this level, for sure. And yeah, it certainly helps him being wiry and able to get into spaces other guys can't. I was going to say, he was just effortlessly quick. Like, <laughs> it was just trying to keep up with him on any sort of a fast break. Like he gets up to speed so quickly. He could shift around people, finish around traffic. He kind of deal with, as Carlos mentioned, sometimes there's a little bit of congestion with four people underneath the basket or I guess three people underneath the basket with screens. He just was shifty quick, made the right decision, but man, he could just push the ball. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, that was part of that season was defined by the fact that he got hurt late in the year. I don't know if you remember that against Bates on yeah. the road and essentially missed the last three games. And, you know, that was that ended up being a two point loss. We were hanging around. It would have been great to have him in there. Obviously, he's an all league guy, but yeah, for only playing really seven and seven point two five or seven point two games, essentially in league play <laughs> for him to be all league, I thought was pretty impressive. Um, Kyle, you mentioned earlier another guy that was a little bit older than you, who also played the guard spot, um, who didn't end up being all league. But certainly, if you look through the stats over those years, he stuffed the stat sheet as much as anybody else with some rebounds, assists, steals, and scoring. And that was Greg Newton. You know, how would you yeah. compare him to Joe, and you know, what what were his strengths as a player and a teammate? Yeah, so I mean, while Joe was kind of effortlessly quick, I would say Greg was more just steady. He was kind of, in, at least in my memory, of one season I played with him, like kind of your traditional point guard where he brought the ball up was always in command of it and just very level-headed but also super competitive um mm -hmm. get into you i remember showing up right at the start of a, a pickup i think it was at three o'clock coming out of class hadn't had my shoes on kind of getting snapped at pretty early on in my uh, career and I was like, okay he he means business but when he was on the court he was just so consistent so steady you know you mentioned automatic on the 15 foot jump shot um now, he was just a smooth, heady basketball player. I wouldn't, you know, didn't necessarily try and do anything spectacular, but just was so consistent. Yeah, Greg Newton and Matt Dean were the seniors your freshman year, and I think you had two guys that really provided a great framework of what it means to be consistent and intense and really compete but want to be good for the program. You know, they seemed to be two guys that were pretty strong leaders, and, you know, hopefully – provided some lessons that you guys took wholeheartedly as you guys moved through your career and became great leaders in the program as well. Um, the other guy you mentioned that was all league who played with you guys a little bit was Matt Hart um, before he left. So he was more of a wing like yourself, Kyle. And, you know, the other two, Greg and Joe were kind of lead guards, you know, a lot of perimeter firepower there with those three and including yourself. So a lot of shots were going up fast and furiously from the perimeter. You know, what, what was Matt Hart's game like when you were playing alongside him as another wing? Yeah. I mean, Matt was a scorer, like just through and through a scorer. Um, you know, he was always the one that was a tough matchup at practice or in pickup. You know, I played the same position as him, so I got to guard him a lot, got a lot of uh, intensity. And, you know, it's he was at a, a different level of competitive, competitiveness than I was. I consider myself to be a fairly competitive person, but I have a pretty laid back personality. Um, 
Matt was intense and it, it came through and he, you know, wanted to be really good. And he got, you know, we were obviously sad to see him leave, but he got opportunity uh, to go play division one after, but he was just a really good scorer, could shoot, worked on his game tirelessly. Um, I remember going back to my visit, going up to just see alumni gym kind of as we were getting the tour and he was the one person in there and he said, yeah, I'm going to go get food and then come back in here for pickup. But he was getting shots up, looked like he was at his end of a workout, full sweat. Um, you know, I think he set kind of almost that expectation of like how hard we had to work to live up to him because he was uh, a very good player and admittedly our hardest worker on and off or on the court. Yeah. Getting used to that, making that the norm, as far as working hard, he certainly surpassed that and definitely wanted to be as great as he could and put the time in without question. Yeah. Carlos, I've got one more question about a game your sophomore year. I'm going to let you boast on your classmate and teammate here. And I'm sure you remember it. It was, it was not a good result for the team, but it was at Bowdoin and your partner in crime here, Kyle Pittman, got it going from the three-point line, and we just kept running, picking pops and ball screens and getting him shots as much as we could to try to just give ourselves a chance to fight back into it. Uh, what was it like to see your, your good friend and your teammate really just start going off there from the three-point line, knowing how hard he worked and what kind of shooter he was? Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I think he had one or two threes that game. I forget the exact <laughs> he, he might know, but I don't know if anyone was counting. Um, no, I mean, it was amazing. It was, uh, one of those, even as sort of we've graduated and there's always looking back upon and talking with sort of other guys on the team and it'll always be no matter, we don't even remember the sort of outcome of the game, but we definitely remember Kyle. It was, it was one of those amazing things that it was right in front of the, um, all of it was happening right in front of the um, bench as well. So that almost made it another level of awesome just because, it was just one three after the next. And it was just sort of like, what is going on? There's sort of a, a warp going on. Cause it was just sort of, he could not miss. Uh, and like you said, we were running, it was basically the same play every single time. It's pick and pop. Kyle will get the ball and he would immediately fire it up and it would go in. Um, it was an extremely proud moment. I'm sure uh, sort of Kyle and the rest of 2017 um, that year, we were uh, extremely happy for him and just sort of, you always want to see it was you always want to see a sort of teammate um, sort of do well, but definitely one of your best friends on campus. You especially want to see that happen too. And um, it was it was just an amazing game. Unfortunately, the outcome was not the one we wanted to, but it was definitely Kyle was doing all that he could to make sure that we were staying in contention there. Yeah, seven for nine from three, and I'd forgotten that pretty much every single one was right in front of our bench. That's funny now that you bring that up. If I recall correctly, I hit my last one in the first half, and then I hit six in a row to start the second half, all from the same spot. <laughs> and I'll give a give credit to Carl Coster for setting a very large screen to get me open consistently <laughs> there. I uh, think if Carl had a chance to hit somebody, he was more than happy to screen them as hard <laughs> as he possibly could, yes. as often as he possibly could. So Yes, he, he set a good screen. But, no, that was a, yeah, not a fun result. We kind of dug ourselves a hole early and then you know I got hot and I don't think I've ever hit seven straight threes before <laughs> or again since then uh but I kind of just got into that rhythm and that right wing and that gym whatever reason even later <laughs> again my senior year I think I hit my first three or four shots um it was just <laughs> kind of one of those moments where you got in the zone and yeah kind of ran out of gas at a certain point but uh it was really fun in the moment you know, wanted to give us a chance and we just couldn't quite, uh, couldn't quite get there. So result was unfortunate, but it's, you know, one of those memories that definitely sticks. Yeah. That's a fun one, right? It's yeah. not always about the result all the time. Certainly you remember a lot of those, but there's probably a million more memories that you have above and beyond just the scoreboard at times. You know, yeah. certainly we all compete and there's a scoreboard there and we all want to win as much as we possibly can, but there's a lot more memories that go into it. And then certainly the relationships are the big things, but some of those fun memories stick with you a lot yeah. longer too. So great. So now as you guys become upperclassmen, uh, the junior year is kind of a transition year in a lot of things, you know, the roster kind of changed just a little bit. We have some guys graduate. We have some injuries that year, which really take people out of the lineup for extended periods of time, obviously, including yourself, Kyle. Um, would you mind just talking about what it's like to have kind of a severe injury during the season and then 
have to fight through that. And yeah, I think you got 11 or 12 games in, so about half the season that year. And then you came back and put yourself in great shape for the senior year. But what's it like going through that an injury like that? Because we've talked with that about a few other guys in different episodes and different experience with that. But what was yours like? Yeah, so I made it through the first half of the season. We came out to Phoenix uh, for that holiday tournament, which was great. Got to play in front of uh, some family out home. Uh, you know, I thought I was playing some of my best basketball in my career at that point too. And then uh, second or third day back on campus, kind of right before we started NESCAC play in practice, I tore my ACL. And it was kind of one of those moments where, you know, the clock in your head goes, well, it's six to 12 months spacing that off of like, you know, what you hear on ESPN. I didn't know a ton about uh, really what ACL recoveries were outside of, you know, sports center and realizing I wasn't Adrian Peterson going to be back. In <laughs> months. Uh, like, okay. But then I have to get myself into playing shape. Like what's that going to be like? Um, it, it was kind of, it was tough as I kind of got that diagnosis and I wanted to, refused to believe that it was what it was thought I was going to be out a few games kind of partial tear and then got the MRI uh found out it was a full tear and it was um you know a little bit of dealing with that basketball uh mortality a little bit uh which was tough and then it was just trying to stay positive stay with the guys stay around them you know contribute where I could try and you know see if I could figure out any you know little tactical things mid-game if they were calling out certain plays what that was going to be just trying to help out wherever it was, but it was, you know, still difficult. You want to be out there and playing like as much as you're happy for your teammates, it's tough to not be out there contributing and, you know, having fun and playing. And then um, as I kind of worked through that, it was, you know, went back home for the summer, got my surgery, I guess, right before spring break uh, all summer at back at home, uh, interned back here, new people where to rehab and uh, kind of, dealt with that level of comfort and just getting back in shape. And, uh, on top of that, I also had a shoulder injury. So I had two surgeries that I had to recover from. And, uh, I think that weirdly almost worked out in my benefit to where I was always working out on various things. So I kind of was able to stay back in shape. Conditioning came a little bit later. Uh, you know, it, it was tough. And I just really had, you know, November 1st of 2016, I guess I would have been was, very much circled on my calendar of I need to be ready to go ready to play and uh got cleared just before that in October or the October break um you know conditioning wasn't all there but it kind of got myself back in shape and as the season went on and you know it, I'm glad I didn't give up knowing that there was that kind of clock going of how much longer do I get to play and uh yeah all in all I'm glad I stuck with it I was very happy to get back into senior year and be able to play, be able to contribute. And, uh, you know, by the end of it, the wear and tear of it all, I was very beat up, very tired. And, uh, but again, wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a, a great, great comeback. Great. To just play again. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Matt Moros almost had, the, or also had the same injury that year towards ACL about 10 days later or so. And, you know, it, it's a grueling injury on your own. Did you find some comfort knowing or some, some companionship, so to speak, that you and Matt were kind of going through the same thing in, in roughly a similar time frame, having surgery around the same time together? Yeah, no, it, it definitely was comforting. So Matt and I actually got surgery the same day. Like I remember texting him when I kind of came to out of anesthesia, being like, how to go? And he was like, good. And we kind of, I mean, it was over spring breaks. So we had two weeks. We got back on campus. Uh, every recovery is a little bit different, but we spent a lot of time uh, in the training room together, kind of working through our different things through the spring. A lot of time with Steph Cal, who I got to know way better than I ever hoped to. Um, she's great, but you know, you don't want to spend too much time with the uh, athletic <laughs> trainer, right? It's like, you don't want to see your uh, dentist too often or something like that, but that's the right analogy. But yeah, it was definitely, you know, in some way comforting to have someone else going through it with you uh, and just trying to be able to lean on each other, push each other and you know, figure out where you are. And then as we kind of got back into our return to playing and uh, contact, like being able to go against each other where it wasn't just hopping right back into full speed against, you know, Kenna Gilmore, who's just way more athletic than I am. Uh, <laughs> like it was nice to have someone that we could kind of just go at it and work ourselves back into shape at 
uh, our own speed, but again, also pushing that speed a little bit. Yeah, and Matt Moros is similar to Carlos in a lot of ways where I think everyone would say absolutely positive things about him on all fronts. And he, like Carlos, is one of the best teammates you would ever have and just completely positive, enthusiastic, and energetic all the time. And I would think even though you're both injured, having somebody with that frame of mind and that outlook probably helps in a lot of ways just getting through that together. Definitely. Um, so like I said, that was kind of a transition year, certainly with the injuries, but then we also had a class come in, a freshman that just hit the ground running right away. And then the next year you mentioned Kenny Gilmore's class coming in and all of a sudden we started to play a little bit different style of play. We got away from the Hamilton break and just started to push the pace a little bit more. Did you feel something happening there, Carlos, over those two years? Obviously you guys were leaders and kind of shaping the young guys and giving them an idea of what the basketball culture was like, kind of like we heard from Greg Newton and Matt Dean earlier. Could you sense something was heading in the right direction and moving forward from there? Or, you know, what were your thoughts being in the middle of it? Yeah, no, um, I think it definitely, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but even in the moment, you definitely feel like as sort of certain players leave and certain players come, come in and like every single year, but especially those two years are, I guess, our junior and senior year, there was people who were coming in with the mindset of, I want to work. And like you said, Kenny Gilmore, I mean, similar to Matt Hart, there's, I think during my four years, I don't think there was two people who worked more, worked out more in the gym than those two guys. And I think even from day one, Kenna was someone who, you, no matter, he was eat, go to class, and he was working out. Those three places, um, sort of, you would not find him anywhere else. And I think having that mindset sort of really does reverberate throughout the entire team and you, you sort of it starts being a little bit less oh I'm playing basketball and it's more like oh this is this is business like we have to approach this with a certain mindset and a certain um, sort of focus and I think that sort of really does make it even more fun because you you have a sort of agenda and a sort of set plan that you want to make sure that you're hitting um, and I think Kenna um his year and the year above him with sort of Grohl, Pete, uh, Tim, Grassy, all four of them, and sort of everyone in Kenna's year as well, they all sort of, they wanted, they wanted to be great and they wanted the team to be great. And I think that really, um, I'm not taking any credit for their greatness, but uh, I'll definitely say Kyle and I definitely and Wes uh, as captains, we were definitely uh, really trying to push them and wanted them to be sort of as good as they could. And I think it really shows even after Kyle and I left that, I mean, they, they had some amazing years and I was very proud to sort of be watching um, on my computer and also see a few games in person uh, to sort of see the success that they had. I think it's always fun when you're a senior and, and you're working with a freshman and sophomore is that, you know, once you leave, there's part of you that's left there, right? You're having yep. an impact on them and their culture and their mindset and how to approach teammates and how to interact with teammates and how to move forward together. So that's, that's certainly a great thing for the young alumni when you see those younger guys do well and have the couple seasons that they did there, you know, you say, Hey, I was part of that. And I helped that, you know, so you can mm -hmm. always have a little pat on your own back at times, which is certainly well-deserved from you three guys. Um, Kyle, what was it like? You know, obviously we, we drastically changed how we were playing. Was that something that, that you could, that you felt good about? You know, certainly when you were there and your class came in, we had a lot of big guys that I yeah. would say would be more of post players, um, playing fast, even though we had some, some great perimeter players and shooters, we had that size that just didn't space the court as much. But then as you guys got older, we didn't have as much size, right? So it was kind of Carlos and Andrew Grohl were the big guys for the most part, and everybody else was kind of a wing or a guard, you know? Um, yeah. So we ended up playing a lot faster. And what was that change like? Was that hard to make the adjustment or what were your thoughts as a wing kind of playing both styles? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I preferred a little bit kind of the faster style, but I grew up watching the seven seconds or less sun. So like I was used to kind of going up and down. Uh, pin downs were great for getting open, uh, especially if you, kind of knew how to read a screen, but yeah, they also were kind of tiring. You kind of always had a little bit of contact. You were using the full, uh, full length of the court on every possession. Um, but yeah, moving a little bit faster, there's more shots. The ball kind of moved around a little bit. Now there are obviously going to be times where it gets into a little bit of isolation, but we had some good isolation scores. Um, 
Peter Hoffman was a good isolation scorer. Kenna Gilmore was a good isolation scorer. Um, Jack Dwyer was great with the ball. Uh, I'm just kind of going down names here, but you know, Tim Doyle also just a really shifty player that could score. And then we had good shooters around them. Um, you know, Mike Grassy kind of had that funky little unorthodox shot, but you know, <laughs> from the moment he set on campus, there was never a shot he didn't like, and they seemed to always go in. Um, I feel like my junior year, so his freshman year, there was a point where he was shooting pretty high volume and above 50% from three. And it was just like, man, this is fun to watch. Like he's just filling it up. Uh, so it was a definitely a different style of play, but it was, you know, fun, upbeat, everyone kind of got along and, you know, I think everyone likes scoring. So uh, our point output increased, uh, particularly that one game at, uh, <laughs> just had it on my tongue and I forgot the school I was at, but we, uh, we just shot the lights out of the ball or out of the gym and put up like 130 something points. It was, you know, those are fun games, fun moments. And uh, the looser offense definitely kind of uh, catered to that. Yeah, so you're probably you're probably thinking of the Wells game. Wells, I mean, yeah. We scored a hundred. We scored 127 that game, and um, I remember going to the coach after the game. We won 127 to 82, and I went up to coach because I know him and we're decent friends. And I said, "Hey, you know, really sorry. We we weren't trying to run it up." He's like, "No, listen, you guys just made shots. Good for you. Keep it going." <laughs> so that was great. It's the best response he could have had. Uh, we did get it going that game a little bit, which is always fun. We had another game earlier in the year where we played York of New York, and we had 101. And just like you talked about, we started to get the point totals up a little bit more. I started to average more. You know, Jack Dwyer was top couple in the league in assists, and Pete Hoffman was all league, second team all league three times, and Kenny Gilmore was rookie of the year. And just you started to see things come out a little bit more. Rebounds went up, assists went up number of guys playing went up and just all of a sudden you just started to see things come together at a pretty high level there. And along with that, you started to be a little more competitive in the league and started to win a few more games. You know, I know that year we played four teams in league that were ranked in the top 25, three that were in the top 10. And, you know, we were competitive in all those games. We only won one of those games, but that just shows you how great the league was. And, you know, now that you guys are out, you're graduates, you've seen the league here for seven, eight years. You know, what are your thoughts on the NESCAC as a whole, just looking back and following basketball as you guys do? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard to sort of dispute what you just said. I mean, it's just sort of like year after year, you'll see, I mean, I, it's not unusual to see four or five teams in the top five all from one conference. And I think, I'm sure that's sort of what attracted Kyle and myself to sort of, and sort of everyone who comes through Hamilton was not only is it amazing academics and you're going to have the ability to sort of go into whatever job you want to go into, but part of every single decision of every basketball player is you want to continue playing basketball and you definitely want to continue playing at a high level and coming to the NESCAC and especially to Hamilton, it's going to give you that ability to do that. And I think we were always competitive every single year with, NESCAC teams and some years you win a couple more games and some years you're on the wrong side of the coin and you lose a couple more games but I think that's I mean there's always the games that you get blown out but I think over the course of sort of our four years we were typically pretty competitive and that's that's always what's fun about it and that's sort of what you want to remember is even though we didn't always win every single game we always were we were fighting for every single NESCAC game and every single game to make sure that we were always there. And um, like we were saying earlier, it's, it's the top league in the country for division three. And um, we were, I don't know if we were ever ranked in our four years, Kyle, I think we were. Uh, no? We got, we got five votes one year. We got both. Yeah. But I mean, like, like I said, we, we progressed, we upward trend. And then right after we left, I think it, we were pretty much always ranked. Um, and I think that sort of is a testament to the, the league more broadly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Those there's so many close games that are two, three points. I could go either way. Some years you win a few extra of those and all of a sudden the numbers look a lot better. A couple of years you don't win those. All of a sudden the numbers look a lot worse, but it's, it's back and forth every year. You know, we've had in the league a couple times where the eight seed has played the number one seed to a great game. You know, part of the, two, I think the year after, or two years after, two years after you guys graduated, 
part of the reason we hosted, even though we were tied for first, is that the team that was in first place through the tiebreakers lost. So as a, as a second, officially the second seed, we ended up hosting the tournament here. And, but that's just such a small margin of error there that every game's competitive because you're right, everybody in the league's really good, whether you're in first place or 11th. The first place teams found a way to win some of the closer games. 10th, 11th place teams haven't. And mm -hmm. I'm just trying to fight all 10 games. Yeah. Similar yeah. perspective, Kyle? Yeah, I, I believe that at all four years, we were probably one of the, I don't know, 40 or 50 best teams in Division Three across the country. We just happened to play, you know, eight or <laughs> nine of the teams that were slightly better than us and kind of got beat up on um, or, you know, grinded it out through the NESCAC play. And our record may not have always reflected that. Um, you know, it, the NESCAC and my opinion, which is obviously going to be a little bit biased since I played in that is, and Arizona doesn't have any division three schools. So I don't have a ton of like D three exposure outside of my uh, four years there, but it's, you know, the NESCAC and the Wisconsin schools always seem to be in those, the tournaments for basketball and really all sports. Um, and, you know, I'll kind of finish off with something I bring up to the point where it annoys my girlfriend. Uh, we played against a guy that played in the NBA finals last year. Like Duncan Robinson was on a NESCAC team our freshman year. We played against him. Like you just don't find that in Division Three. Like it's really, really talented players. Yeah, and he's what you know the stat better than I do. Fastest guy to 500 career made threes in the NBA or something along those lines. Did I see that yeah. the other day on ESPN? He's an incredible shooter. I think he had uh, Carlos sent me a stat: seven total offensive rebounds this year. So hard work. <laughs> uh, no, but he was. You know, really good player, and you can see there was that separation of level when we played him. But I mean, it's there's a lot of guys that aren't, you know, they're not NBA good, but they're really good basketball players that you end up playing against. So that's was my NESCAC experience. Yeah, it makes it fun, and like you said, both spoke to if you're competitive as a basketball player, you want to play against great competition. That's what we get year in year out, and certainly the more competitive guys we can get, the better space we're going to be in, and. I think everyone in the league is trying to do that, find the most competitive guys they can who can handle things academically and want the value of the education long-term and the connections from our campuses. So good. Any, uh, any stories that you guys have that jump out that you remember from your days that are shareable with a wide national audience here? Um, any funny stories, any things that you talk about when you're getting back together that you'd be willing to share that people might get a kick out of? Trying to think of the PG ones. I was going to say that's why I have audacity, so I can cut out the. I can put my question and then we'll slide right into the answer. <laughs> you know, some of our guests have talked about other people that have been on campus that had a big impact for them. You know, we've heard about Dennis Murphy and some of the assistants and some of the professors. Do either of you have someone from your days that really stood out for you? I know you mentioned Steph as the athletic trainer, and she's been awesome helping our program for the last decade. And I think you guys trust her with everything that you have about all decisions medically. Are there, are there anybody, other people on campus, faculty members, staff members, outside of teammates or coaches that, that really stood out for you during your time here? Yeah, I'll give a um, sort of shout out to someone and um, I'm sure other guests have mentioned, uh, we have two academic professors that are the liaison between the basketball team and um, sort of the faculty on campus. And uh, there's uh, Professor Simon and then there were uh, Professor Franklin as well. And both of them, especially as freshmen coming in, like I was mentioning a little bit earlier in the podcast around your senior year of high school to freshman year of college is a big transition year. And there's sometimes you're ready for the academics, sometimes you're not pile on that you're sort of now competing at a much higher level sort of um, in the athletics realm. And these two professors were really monumental very early on on sort of like making you and other players. And even throughout your time at um, Hamilton, I kept in touch with both of them and frequently had sort of meetings with them where it's just sort of someone outside of, you, you don't really have class with them or you could, but you don't traditionally. And then it's also not a coach, uh, but you can really bounce ideas off of them and sort of say like, am I approaching this the right way? Is this the right way to think about this? 
should I be taking this class? Should I not be taking this class? How do I manage sort of working out and sort of all the academics um, equally? Both are very important. I want to make sure I'm doing the best that I can in both of them. How do I really balance this? And it, they're both, they were both very, um, I'm sure a lot of people on the team would say very similar things that they were both very influential and very helpful as you navigated and sort of became more comfortable at the collegiate level, um, but just sort of really helped sort of educate you because they had been around the team for so long and around Hamilton for so long that they really had the knowledge and they wanted to sort of see you succeed on and off the court. That's one of the great things here. I think, you know, certainly Professor Simon and Professor Franklin now, awesome people and would do anything to try to help the students and the student athletes have tremendous experience. And certainly they're indicative of what faculty members are here generally. And, and part of the reason mm -hmm. students have such a great experience is because the faculty do do so much for the students when they're here. Yeah. Hello, Kyle. Anybody else, Kyle, that really jumped out for you during your time? I mean, Bob and his wife, Joy Simon, were the ones that kind of come, you know, come to mind first. They missed or made it to every home <laughs> sporting event, I'm pretty sure. They had their very specific seats they like to be in. Uh, they were always just so nice, you know, keeping track of everything, always wanting to interact with us. Uh, just great people. And then uh, the training staff. I mean, Steph was great. Obviously, I spent a lot of time with her, but um, Sid and the others as well were just always you know, helpful, keeping us in line. Uh, yeah, it, it, I would say big thanks to them. And then uh, Murph was great. Like he was just someone that you could kind of shoot the shit with a little bit. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> you know, like have a good conversation with him. He was just always there, always present, you know, super consistent, good guy, always had a smile on his face, say hi to you. Uh, you know, just those people made you always feel like a, a welcome member of the Hamilton athletic community and the Hamilton community as a whole. Um, you know, I can think about just other professors I had through the years. Um, Professor Pereira and economics department is one that really stands out with me, or to me. He was just super friendly. I worked in my thesis under him, uh, super supportive. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. His was kind of the finance side of the economics um, department. And he kind of led me towards where I am today a little bit. And finding that interesting and getting my uh, kind of feet wet and what that world of thinking is. So there were just a lot of people we interacted with over the years. Yeah, and you mentioned some great people, both Bob and Joy and then Dean Murph. I think if you go back 20, 25, 30 years, you're going to have a ton of student athletes that have had the same experience with them that you guys did. And it just speaks to the type of people that we're fortunate to have both on campus and then around the basketball program as well. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add or throw in there. You know, it's not very often we get two West Coast guys and two high-level volleyball players on the same podcast for a basketball program, but it's great to jump together and see you guys. Um, anything else you want to add here before we sign off? Yeah, um, I, I would just say, I mean, like both Kyle and I, we – picked up our lives and moved from much warmer climates to upstate, beautiful upstate New York, where it's snowing for about 75% of the time that you're on campus. <laughs> um, it is beautiful in the summer. So I will say as much as you can try to be up there in the summer. Um, but I mean, it's something that I look back upon very fondly and you make a lot of really good friends and you're going to have on the court, you're going to be competing with, top players around the country um, year in and year out, but even off the court, you're going to be surrounded by very intelligent people, really smart people who are going to be doing amazing things. And it's a small school, which is, which has its benefits because you're going to know pretty much every single person, especially in the sports world where all the different you're, even when you're out of season, you're still going in the training room. You're still sort of, in the weight room, you're going to be surrounded by all of the sports, um, sort of everyone in athletics, and you're going to have a really tight knit community that when you're looking back upon it and you're reaching out to people and you're sort of, you're going to have a lot of friends, maybe too many at some times, but um, it's going to be an amazing four years and you're going to absolutely love every minute of it. Yeah. I kind of echo that. It just, it's Hamilton was a great experience. I, very, very different from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, you know, you, you trade 110 degrees in the summer for 
you know, negative 10 degrees in the winter and snow on the ground through May. It's a, a different experience, but it's you now it's very pretty, especially in the, the fall and in the spring once the snow melts. And, um, you know, it, it's a very welcoming campus. You make a lot of good people, especially being a smaller school, 2000-ish kids. You know pretty much everyone or have seen pretty much everyone and uh, make a lot of good friends. And, you know, I think it's about a third of campus are in some way involved with athletics. So you get to know all those guys, especially those that you are uh, trapped on campus over winter break with the hockey guys, some of the couple of the swim people, the girls basketball team, we were always really tight with. You just make really, really close connections and good friends uh, in your time there. And and I, I wouldn't trade those four years in the world. Well, it certainly worked out well, and, and I hope you guys were able to take some enjoyment in the teams getting to the NCAA tournament after you left, knowing that you all, your whole class, you two in West Wilbur, had a huge part in that as well, just being here as upperclassmen and trying to help mold those younger guys and, and give them the path of what it means to try to be successful on the court and then hopefully down the road. I do think for two guys that come from areas where it doesn't snow at all, we're hammering the weather a little bit hard here today, but... You know, when you're coming from a desert in the Bay Area where it rains all the time and it's always too sunny down south, I just I think you're you're exaggerating the weather, but we'll we'll give you a pass today. But thanks, guys. It was it was great to see you. Really enjoyed it. I'm glad you're able to come on, and it was fun to think about some of those stories and some of those games here from that decade. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Thank you. I said, go blue. Go blue. <laughs>